Hey guys, welcome to episode 107 of the Walking Closer podcast. I haven't uploaded an episode in two weeks because, well, it's been a crazy two weeks. Uh, first, I was actually on a retreat and a winter storm started to come through. I actually almost got stuck out there, um, but I made it home safely and it was just in time because this winter storm basically took over everything. We were <laughs> essentially locked down in our homes for about a week. But now, at least for the most part, uh, this is all behind us, and episode 107 is now a reality. <laughs> By the way, the episode is titled Living in Reality, because this is what Jesus is inviting us to. See, being a disciple of Jesus is a journey to reality, what reality is really like. It's a kind of life that shows you how reality works, where we can learn to live uh, in accordance with it. And that is what this episode is all about. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. We're all formed by our life experiences, but sometimes these experiences shape us in negative ways. And the process of spiritual transformation can help undo those negative impacts so we can live life to the fullest. And walking closer is all about this journey through internal transformation where real changes happen from the inside out. In so many ways, Dallas Willard's book, The Divine Conspiracy, seeks to challenge some of the modern notions perspectives and approaches to Jesus. So this book was published in 1997. So it's been about 24 years since the book was published. And I believe the things the book addressed uh, are still relevant for us today uh, because I'm just not convinced things have changed much. If anything, the issues are more deeply rooted. But regardless of the current state of things among Christians, the uh, things addressed in this book are extremely helpful. Now, I say that because from my perspective, it is really easy to get sucked into the Christian vortex of facts and information without it having any positive effect on your character. So we can be really good at being able to obtain information, even hold very eloquent discussions on deeply complex ideas. We can put forth profound answers to complex questions. We can sound like we have it all figured out, and yet it does not affect change in our hearts. And that's just the stone-cold truth about it. And it's not just a possibility. It happens. And I know because that's where I used to be. And it's how you might describe the circles I used to run in. See, I had all this information, but it wasn't having a positive effect on my life. It wasn't fruitful in the things I was dealing with from day to day, and it had absolutely no positive effect on who I was becoming. You see, in those days, for me, it was just about having the right position. Never mind how you held that position or how you lived your life. In fact, I am now convinced that many of the positions I was so concerned about having right really have no bearing on my life and how I actually live it. So much of what I used to be concerned with, and with what, what so many still seem to be today, was not helping me become like Jesus. And as a disciple of Jesus, 
mean, is that not what our main focus should be? As Willard said, in this life, we are becoming who we will be forever. And so the question is, what is informing who we are becoming? And this question is not just relevant for people who claim to be Christians. It's, it's, a, it's a relevant question for anyone. What is informing who you are becoming? And is it actually proving to be helpful? Like, do you like the person you are becoming? Would you say the things that govern your life are leading you to living the best possible life? And I think, I think these are important questions to ask yourself. And I believe there, there may be many people who call themselves Christians who might answer these questions no different than someone who is, well, lost in life, unhappy, and in, in need of guidance. And I think, I think that's a sad reality for Christians. And this is, this is where Dallas says the great invitation comes into play. See, it's, a, it's an invitation to go on a journey with God, a, a journey that leads into the, the heart of God, where, at least according to Jesus, we can experience what he called the abundant life. It's, it's the journey Jesus invites us all on, and it's where he can lead us, which is why he calls people to be his disciples. See, Dallas said, Jesus offers himself as God's doorway into the life that is truly life. And I see it as a journey to reality, to understanding what reality is really like. It's a, it's a kind of life that shows you how reality works, where we can learn to live in accordance with it. It's like our programming needs to be rewritten so it can better function along with the algorithms of life, if you will. So how do I know when I'm not living in accordance with reality? Well, reality has a way of running you over. It it can make you feel like you've been left behind, or if life is constantly feeling like a fight, then you know you're running up against it. And you definitely know it when you get something wrong, right? So Willard used to say, reality is what you run into when you're wrong. You see, truth frees you from the bondage of reality and allows you to live a life that is not in disagreement with it. And this is when we start truly living. And as Dallas said, Jesus offers himself as God's doorway into the life that is truly life. Now, when Jesus said that he came so that we might have life, the question we need to ask is, have life in comparison to what? See, many people read that and they immediately think that Jesus is talking about life after death. But is that what people would have been thinking about to whom Jesus spoke? And I would suggest that it's not. And so, again, when Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly, the question we need to ask is, have life in comparison to what? Obviously, when Jesus said this, he was implying to those to whom he was speaking that they were not living it. You see, I think when Jesus said this, it was in comparison to what they thought life was about. It was in comparison to what their life's experiences had been up to that point which were based on how they perceived things were supposed to function. And I argue that when you look at some of the things Jesus was actually teaching them, like in the Sermon on the Mount, there were things that presented a completely different approach to what they had known. And then Jesus, Jesus begins to show them something different by, by first addressing 
how they respond to external things. It was like Jesus was saying, instead of doing it that way, try it this way and see how differently things go for you or how differently you begin to feel about it all, how your perspective on things will begin to change. And in doing so, Jesus was challenging the the various ideas and concepts that, that governed their lives and was presenting them new ideas, ideas that would help them live according to reality and not against it, live according to how life was designed to function. So let me let me illustrate this point to you. So hopefully it might make a little more sense. Let's say you get into work one morning and on your way to your office, you come across your coworker. And as you greet them, they seem to just shrug you off. Now, at first you don't give it much attention. But then throughout the day, your encounters with them, well, they don't get any better. And then that afternoon, you're at a board meeting and your coworker, they get snippy and aggressive with you. And it's, it's embarrassing and it's humiliating. And you can't help but, well, take it personal. So you go home. And as you're thinking about all the things that happened that day, things begin to fester inside of you, and you just can't let it go. And then the next day, and say maybe for about a week, when you see your coworker, you're short and you're snippy with them. You're obviously irritated with them, and you respond accordingly. And things just continue to build up between the both of you, and it's it's affecting the other people who are working around you. It's affecting your job performance, your concentration, your mood at work and at home. You now come home and are easily irritated with your kids and your spouse, and they have no clue what's going on. That They're all thinking, like, what's wrong with you? And, and it's actually a good question. What is wrong with you? What is going on in your mind that, that is causing all of this? Well, Let's go back to that first encounter on that day when you felt like your coworker shrugged you off and eventually you felt humiliated by the end of the day. What is going on with you? It's a reaction to what you have perceived as reality. See, from your perspective, you did nothing wrong. You didn't deserve to be treated this way. You, you ended up taking it very personal. Like, like who, who do they think they're treating? They are treating me this way. And you suppose that for some reason, you're, and you're not sure of what that reason is, that they responded to you in this way because they just don't like you. You see, in your reality, you have someone who doesn't like you, and they are acting out on you. From your perspective, in your reality, you have reasons to be defensive and respond in the way that you do. In your reality, they have become your enemy. And that's why there are now these problems. But as is always the case, when it comes to issues between two or more people, there are multiple sides to a story. See, there is your perceived reality of what is going on. And the other person has their own perceived reality or perception of what's going on. And then there is the reality of what's going on that transcends these perceptions of all those people who are involved. See, little did you know 
that morning when you came across your coworker that they had just found out their spouse had cheated on them. They had not had the time to process what was going on and could not take the day off to deal with it because they had to be at this afternoon meeting because their job depended on it. But you don't know that reality. How could you? Now, from their perspective, you've just become the thorn in their side, an irritant, and, and someone who, well, they could lash out on. And they are so preoccupied with their own issue that they haven't had time to consider how it's affecting them and how they might be reacting to others around them. And furthermore, you have not responded in such a way that could help you obtain the truth of what was going on, which could have helped you understand why they had reacted in the way that they did. And without that understanding, there was no way for you to know the reality of the situation and what might be the best possible way to live or respond according to that reality. Instead, you are responding and reacting only to perceived reality and not truth. But then how could you come to know the truth, that the reality that transcends what you're perceiving in that moment? Well, this is where the principles Jesus taught come into play. See, when, when we follow those principles, they help lead us to knowing the truth and being set free to respond in accordance with, well, reality. So let's break down this scenario to see how we might apply some of the principles Jesus taught. And in doing so, we could have come to see and respond according to reality. And I think there are several principles that could be helpful here that essentially could be summed up with love. So let's think about this. Love is patient and kind, and it assumes and thinks the best. So if we go back to the scenario, imagine in the meeting when you felt humiliated and embarrassed, and then all the things that transpired thereafter. Continuing to be patient and kind, well, we might use the word perseverance here, could have kept things from escalating the way that they did. See, being patient and kind could have provided you with more time to consider what might be going on and how to respond. And imagine what could have happened if, after going home and thinking about all the things that had happened that day, if you worked on assuming the best instead of allowing things to fester. Thinking the best could have realized, could have helped you realize that there is something going on here that that I, I am not aware of. And instead of jumping to conclusions and taking things personal, you might have considered that this isn't about you and that there is something else going on that you're not aware of. And maybe you could reach out and help. And of course, other principles Jesus taught had, had to do with things like putting forth the effort and trying to see things from others' perspectives and, and also the principle of forgiveness. Those things apply in this situation. See, by following Jesus in this, you, you may have been well, more concerned about making sure you didn't do anything to offend them. And, and, and there's this desire to make it right. And so this could have led to a conversation that would have potentially helped you see their perspective, that the reality of what had happened, and well, then you could have responded accordingly. And of course, we can go on and on and on and apply various principles to the scenarios. Maybe you can think of some yourself. But, but I think this is adequate to show how one of the ways Jesus leads us to life is by, by helping us to see reality. 
when we don't see it. Or as Jesus said, when we have eyes to see and we don't see. See, he, he, he leads us to seeing it when we follow the principles for life that he presented. I mean, think about it. How many times have you reacted to things and later on found out you were wrong about what you thought was going on? And in that moment, you, you slammed up against reality and probably wished you would have responded differently. Well, this is what Jesus does for us. By being his disciples, following his teachings as practical and relevant for life, principles that address matters of the heart, principles that that aid in transforming us and acting real change in our lives. He he leads us into the heart of God, where our hearts become aligned with his, with, with reality, with truth. This is what can happen if we let the teachings of Jesus govern our lives. So there it is, episode 107, Living in Reality. So thanks for tuning in. Grace and peace, and I'll talk to you soon.